0: we have been in a, a conversation during lent looking at the ninth commandment we're really thinking about all of the commandments what it is that god would have us do to be um to be like christ but we're focusing specifically on the ninth commandment the commandment not to bear false witness and kind of thinking from there outward to the other commandments and the reason we're we're doing um this is because it's it gives us a little more clarity about our focus so by looking at The one commandment, we can reason more about the other. And what we've been learning as we've been looking at at the ninth commandment is it's not limited just to the letter of the the law. The law is do not bear false witness. Do not testify falsely. And what we've been learning is that that doesn't limit itself to simply a courtroom setting. We've learned that 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 is wrong. Do not not bear false witness in a courtroom setting. But we've also learned that it extends to other areas as well and that uh, we shouldn't lie um, and and uh, sometimes we shouldn 't tell the truth and the, the, the way we looked at that is we, we learned that a simpler question instead of asking, "Is this technically a lie or not is to say is to say, "Is this what love requires and so we 've been learning that and then last week, what we saw is that it 's possible to bear false witness without even opening our mouth, and the way we do that is by judging people we, we assign uh, truth or falsity to what they 're doing. Based on our own uh, assumptions about them and our impressions that that we have of them, as opposed to the the reality that we we shouldn't judge people. And today, what we're going to look about look at is another kind of uh, false witness that's not that doesn't involve necessarily um, talking about other people. It's about talking about ourselves. It's bragging. And I don't just mean exaggerating. Obviously, one type of bragging that's that's obviously false is is to exaggerate and. Uh, I, whenever I think about exaggeration, you know, maybe some people think about catching fish and it gains a few inches or something. But for me, the the example I think of about bragging is, is when I had a, a brief a stint in in sales. I worked in a, a technology firm. I was a computer programmer, and uh, I I had kind of worn out my welcome with the uh, development staff. That was the place where I got the nickname of Sunshine, and. Uh, I, I got a, a sideways jump into sales, and um, I went on a sales trip or two with um, with the uh, salespeople, and my job was to to basically sit there and say nothing, um, except I was told that if they asked me a specific technical question, then I could answer in one of two ways. Either I could say, yes, the software does that, or I could say, yes, the software can do that. And the idea was that it either already did it, or... The unspoken uh, statement was, "We can eventually um, at some point in a future release make it do that. so I learned that you can exaggerate um, in a sales call, and um, uh, i, I don 't have a good um, uh, 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 skill at, at, at telling people those kinds of exaggerations so um, i didn 't have a long career in sales but but that 's only one way that we can we can um, uh, be dishonest in the way we brag to other people. Um, the other way is just by telling the truth. Um, Dizzy Dean famously said, it ain't bragging if, if you can do it, uh, but it is bragging. It, it's still bragging, and it's still dishonest. And the reason it's dishonest is because it it makes a false impression of the proportion. It's, it's, uh, it tells you that there's... there's uh, it, it gives the impression that there is more good and less bad. We see this when we get a Christmas a Christmas card from somebody, and there's a little note in there talking about how Johnny got into graduate school, and uh, we love our new car, and um, we had this great vacation. That we see that kind of stuff. It's telling the truth, but it's painting a picture that this is our life, and they don't, they don't mention you know the the other things that are going on in their life. And of course, famously, we see this in social media. It's where it's why social media invented the word hashtag blessed. And the reason for that was because then they could brag. They could say, I am so blessed. You know, the the cake turned out perfectly. Or look at this beautiful woodworking project. I'm, I'm going to show you how it turned out. I'm not going to show you the scrap pile. And I'm not going to show you the stitches. Because that would be oversharing, perhaps. So instead, we we do the hashtag blessed. We 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 talk about how our house is always this clean. We always wear clothes this nice because we are hashtag blessed. And this this didn't uh, originate with social media. Of course, we know uh, famously the the Sun King Louis the Fourteenth. He um, he said that he, you should put your best foot forward. And in in his in, in paintings of him, uh, he uh, characteristically has his best foot forward and the worst foot in back. So people have been doing this for a long time but louis the 14th could only pose for so many sculptures and so many paintings we can do you know we've got photography we can we can have that many selfies before breakfast and and i think sometimes people do we can we can do that and and we feel justified in in showing the best half of our life because because we have cultural norms we say well we shouldn't overshare Or that's TMI, that's too much information. Or we say, you know, I don't want to air my dirty laundry in public. So we have these norms that that say, go ahead and show the happy side and don't show the, the negative side. Accentuate the positive and downplay or just omit completely the negative. And when we do that, we are giving a false impression. We are testifying falsely about our life when we show people Here's my highlight reel, and you're never going to see all the things that went into producing this highlight reel. So it is a type of false testimony when we only show the good things in our life. So why do we do that? Why do we brag? Um, Even if we're not exaggerating, why do we do that? Well, one reason is that we like to, that, that it's enjoyable. And, and I'm not just saying I enjoy it. I'm saying people enjoy this. There have been studies where they they got volunteers to talk about themselves, and they watched them on a um, on an fMRI scanner. They they looked at their brain uh, with fMRI imaging, and what they saw is that when people talk about themselves, the the pleasure centers in their brain light up because we enjoy talking about ourselves. In a different study, they asked some people, uh, "Would you rather do this one activity you can get paid for, or would you rather do this other activity where you talk about yourself?" And people preferred the the um, the opportunity to talk about themselves. We like talking about ourselves, but there are other reasons we talk about ourselves. One of the reasons we talk about ourselves is because we want to craft an image. We want to we want to influence people, and we are we do that because we're insecure. We want people to like us. We want people maybe to date us or marry us. We want people to hire us. Uh, we want people to vote for us. That we have reasons why we want people to do the things that that they might not do. If we just let them form their own impressions of us, then there's no telling. You know, they might not get the right impression. The right impression being the one we want, not the one necessarily that's accurate. So that's one of the reasons we do it because we're insecure. Um, and we just saw last week how how much people judge, how much we are prone to judge other people, to form an impression and then uh, be governed by that. Well, if we allow people to form an impression, then they, they will judge us. And then, you know, what then? So we need to craft that impression so that people will judge us the way we want them to judge us, not the way they might on their own. Now again, this is not a new thing. Louis the did didn't invent it either. Uh, it certainly didn't come from social media, and it wasn't invented by the Sun King. It goes way back. It goes back as far as as people go, and and uh, we know that because we see it in in the New Testament. In the New Testament, there is one person who is who is terrible at impression management. He's terrible at bragging, and we're going to talk about him today. You might have you might have guessed that it is the Apostle Paul. We heard the readings that talk about Paul. Um, and that may not be something when you think about the Apostle Paul, you might not think about somebody who had a poor who made a poor impression on people. You might think Paul's a pretty impressive character, but we know from the New Testament that he was not. Uh, people said we, we have actual quotes that people said about Paul. They said that he was weak and his speech is worth nothing. That's that's an actual quote about Paul that is preserved in the Bible. And because it's in the Bible, we know it's true. People said that he is weak and his speech is worth nothing. Even the Apostle Peter, in one of his letters, said about Paul, he said, some of Paul's remarks are hard to understand. So, So we know Paul did not always impress people with his genius or with um, his physical looks um, in, in the reading we heard uh, he begins by 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 um, referring to the impression that he 's made of people he says he says i 'm shy when i 'm with you but i 'm bossy when i 'm away from you that 's the impression people had formed of him and the, what makes this interesting is that this is part of a uh, of a lengthy passage in this letter, the, the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, and in it he devotes what, in, as they they came along later and, and numbered the chapters, three chapters of this letter are devoted to Paul talking about his the, this impression that he's made with critics and and answering them. So, uh, what makes that interesting is that it is uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, and Corinth was was a church that Paul had founded himself. Everybody who was a member of that church was there because Paul had had brought them into the church personally, and he stayed there for eighteen months. And so of all the churches that Paul Paul founded and that he corresponded with, uh churches that, that became part of the the you know, the, the correspondence that became part of the New Testament, in all of those cases, this church probably knew Paul better than anyone at all. They knew Paul's gifts as well as that poor impression. And even so, what he's dealing with in this letter is these critics and the poor impression, how he's shy and bossy and how he um, he's weak and his speech is worth nothing. And this is the church that knew him best. Imagine what they were saying about him at the other churches. So we know Paul was not good at at forming, uh, uh, getting people to form a positive first impression. Um, so, so how did he turn things around? Because today, we do have a positive impression of Paul. If he was weak and, and if he um, was bossy, we don't remember that. We we simply say, well, gosh, you know, I, I I've lived in Saint Paul, or there's there's a, 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 a famous cities called San Paulo, and and you know, this is this is. Saint Paul, this is the Saint. Paul. I mean, how could he not be impressive? So we today think of Paul as an impressive figure. So what did Paul do to turn things around how did he How did he get away from that negative impression that people had of him? Did he hire an image consultant, somebody who could come in and help him work on his optics maybe maybe um, he uh, retained a, a public relations firm and got some help in the marketing department maybe maybe that 's what Paul did. Um, maybe he finally spent some time becoming a little more social media savvy and he learned the right filters to use on Instagram to make his pictures really pop and get more likes. Uh, what, what, what was it that Paul did? Well, obviously he didn't do any of those things. What we're going to see in our lesson today is Paul did something different. Paul told the truth and not just the happy side of the truth. Paul told the negative side of the truth as well. He told about his troubles. In fact, in the letter that uh, we we are looking at today, uh, Paul spends a great length of time talking about how what kind of troubles he's faced, and um, he's not talking the way some people do today. This is not a rags to riches story. He's not saying, you know, I was born poor, but I applied myself and due to a lot of hard work, I became rich. This is not Andrew Carnegie. This is this is the rags. To rag's story, Paul says this is still happening to me he says he says um, i 've been beaten more times than I can count. I've faced death many times. I received lashes from the Jews five times. I was beaten with rods three times so both from from the the Jewish ruling councils and from the um, the Roman authorities he he was beaten he was imprisoned he was shipwrecked um, he 's been on journeys he 's faced dangers in rivers and robbers he's he's had all kinds of problems and he says these are still going on this is not something i got better at paul says if if you're going to judge me those things are still going on and that stands out because in the ancient world people were all about impression management people in in the first century we, we know this because they wrote glowing self-testimonials on the sides of buildings, that that th- these things are still around. We know the way that they worked to craft people's impressions, that, you know, I, I conquered this city, or I, I was the, the consul from, from uh, Rome for this many years, or they actually wrote those things down. And if they weren't good at self-promotion, then they had servants who would do it for them. So we know this. And, and so because Paul was not good at that, because Paul's not saying what a successful person he is, because he's not talking about all the glowing and wonderful things he's achieved, he would have stood out. He would have been somebody that people would have said, he's not very impressive, and his speeches don't sound like everybody else's speeches. I don't know if he was a good orator or not, um, uh, we get the impression that they didn 't like his actual speaking that he was hard to listen to uh, famously, somebody in in the book of Acts falls asleep during one of his one of his sermons and falls out the window so um, so he, he might have been a very bad speaker, but he certainly wouldn 't have blended in with his culture because in that culture, people were all about self promotion they made an art form of it um, it wasn 't just something that people did so Paul stood out. Because he doesn't brag about himself. And in fact, at the end of this section, after recounting all of the troubles, the rags-to-rags story that he's dealing with, he says "He says his secret, this is his strategy. He says, if it's necessary to brag, I'll brag about my weaknesses. He says, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, the one who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to capture me. But I got away from him by being lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall. So Paul mentions this in his own writing. And we heard the same story in the uh, Acts of the Apostles, which we looked at last week, how Paul was lowered um, by his disciples. He escaped from Damascus by, by going over the wall. Um, when the, the authorities were looking for him. And what makes that interesting is there is a cultural factor that, that, um, shows that Paul isn't kidding when he says, I brag about my weaknesses. So he's not simply saying, I got into some trouble and had to escape. Paul's saying more than that. And the, the reason, uh, and the way we can, we can access that is by thinking about the first century. If you've got a city wall, it's, You know, which our cities typically don't have today. But imagine why would you have a city wall? It was not so you could keep Paul in. The reason you had a city wall was to keep the bad guys out. It was to keep your enemies out. That, that, you know, at any time the Romans or the Greeks or the Persians or whoever else might show up and want to conquer your city. So what you would do is you'd button up the door and you'd hang out in the city. They couldn't, they couldn't attack the walls and you just basically waited them out and they could sometimes they could they could wait you out they could they could uh, surround the city with an army they could make sure no food or water got in and eventually you would have to give up because you were starving or dying of thirst so so that was what they would do but sometimes the general uh would be impatient or or he's in a hurry because he's trying to get uh, other cities before they also come to your aid or something like that sometimes the general is in a hurry he can't simply wait you out and in that case what they would do is they would attack the city And the problem with that is if you're, if you're not weakened by thirst and hunger, then you can fight them off. That, that when they try to, you know, when, when they build their ladders and put them up against the walls so they can climb up and attack you, you can defend yourself. You're still in a position where you can defend yourself. So, so what they did back then is what every military always does. Uh, What every military down through history has done is they give you a medal for doing something heroic. If you're going to climb up that ladder, then you should get a medal for it because because that's a brave thing to do. And that will give you bragging rights. Later on, people can say, hey, you better pay attention to that guy. He went over the wall. And in fact, they had a particular medal for the first person to go over the wall. The first person to go over the wall Uh, Received a medal. uh, They they didn't use medals in those days. They had other kinds of awards. They gave him a medal. uh, uh, They gave him an award called the Corona Moralis. Now we know what a corona is. We've spent the last year learning all about corona, coronae. That the reason the virus got that name is because it's got little pointy spikes on it, like a crown. So a corona means a crown. And they would give this person a crown that. Uh, reminded them of the um, of the walls of the city with the little crenellations up at the top. You got a crown that looked kind of like a city wall when you were the first person to go over the wall and live. The word "moralis," uh, "corona moralis," it's it's the word for wall M- mural. is where we if we have a big painting on a wall, that's a mural. So the corona moralis is the is the um, is the award that the first person to go up the ladder, go over the wall, and live got this award. And everybody in the first century would have known about those awards that, you know, that person, you know, you better not talk, talk to him, you know, talk bad to him because he's got a Corona moralis. He's he's a bad dude. And uh, in fact, maybe a smart thing to do would be to buy him a drink and say, we're so proud of you. So so uh, people understood this. And Paul is saying, I got one, too. But mine was for going in the other direction that that I got my award. The, 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 the award I'm going to brag about is when I ran away. When instead of going over the city into danger, I went over the wall away from danger. Paul says, that's who I, that's who I am. I'm going to brag not about what a great guy I am. I'm going to brag about my weakness. So Paul brags about his weakness. And if Paul were here today, I think he would say that's what made him a success. Now, there's no denying he was a success. If you, if you ask Paul what his life goal was, it was to tell people the good news about Jesus. And there's no doubt that he was a success about that. Today, about one person in three on the entire planet is a Christian. And they all look to see what Paul had to say about the different things. They, we, we are looking at him right now. What did Paul have to say about bragging? Paul was a success. There's actually, there's actually more Christians in the, the the global south today than there are in the traditional Christian countries in North America and Europe. There's actually more Christians in Latin America and Asia and Africa than in Europe and North America. Paul was by any measure a success. And I think that this was why. Not because he hired a public relations firm, not because he got better at post posting things on social media, not because his Christmas letters mentioned the the cool things he was up to. Paul was a success, I think in part because because God knew that if he did something through Paul, Paul wouldn't take the credit. In fact, in in chapter twelve, the 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 conclusion of this section where Paul's talking, he says he asked God for some help. He said, God, I've got this this problem and maybe it was something that that people that that contributed to his bad um, uh, the bad impression he made on people. He calls it a thorn in the flesh, and nobody knows exactly what it what it was. But he's asking God for help about something, and God says, "Nah, I like the current setup because God says my power is made perfect in weakness, and because you're the kind of guy Paul who boasts about his weakness, who brags." about going the wrong direction over the wall, I know that if I do something through you, you're not going to try and take the credit. Now, maybe that's why Paul was a success. Maybe God is is not as concerned about reputation management as that makes him sound. But we do know Paul was a success. Not because he managed his own reputation, but because he let people see warts and all. He let, he let people see the real him. So how do we do this? How, how can we be as successful as Paul? We can do the same thing. We don't have to overshare. My guess is the way Paul told this story, right? By, by not simply saying I chickened out, but he told the story about going over the wall. He made it interesting. We, we don't have to be boring. We don't have to make people wince. Maybe we can make them laugh, but, but be real, be honest and what we may find if we do that is we're we're more successful that way than we are trying to manage the reputation but i want to think particularly how we can do this as a community of faith as as a body of believers what can we do to make it safe to to tell the whole story to 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 lay the truth out there you know churches are sometimes uh, Sometimes have a bad reputation. They're a place. Sometimes people talk about them as places where we shoot our wounded, and and that's that's something Paul would have would have been appalled at. Paul would have said, "Well, if people can't be honest, then how can you possibly be a church?" So, whether it's in your own life. Can you be honest with the people on social media or uh, across the dinner table? Can you can you be a little more honest about the weaknesses as well as the truth? But especially for us as a congregation, as a as a community of believers, can we model the kind of um, place that actually listens and hears and accepts people who have those weaknesses? Can we say, well, can, can we banish the phrase TMI or overshare from our own vocabulary as a church? Because I think, uh, it's obvious that Paul was not a fan of bragging. He said, if I'm going to brag, I'm going to brag about my weakness. But I think that is actually the secret to Paul's success. And I think we could all use some more success. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for these lessons. Um, we know that in, in a first century world where people were were even more concerned about reputation management than we are. That Paul stood out because he did not brag about his achievements and his accomplishments though they were they were many. Instead, he bragged about his weaknesses. Lord, help us to have the kind of courage that that you will take care of us if we are simply truthful, if we give up the the business of reputation management. Lord, we pray that you would give us the the courage that Paul had. But we pray also, Lord, that you would help us to find success in our own lives the way he found in his. All these things we ask, Lord, in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.